you would, take your holy word of God, turn it to 1 Corinthians 12. We will begin looking at verses 12 through 19. We will look at three words in the original language in verse 12 this day. I want to read the text and then we will jump headlong into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, Where would be the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desires. If they they were all one member, where would the body be? Father, help us to see this. Father, in an age that has never been seen before in your people, Father, I ask that we hear Father, give us ears to hear. Father, open our eyes to what it is that our brother Paul has given us. And Father, let us understand the preciousness of the gift that is given. And Father, let us understand how awesome you are at what you do in every aspect of our lives. Father, I just beg you this time, teach us. Show us what you are saying to your glory. Amen. I believe that at this day and this age, there is no greater message needed in understanding than what we were stepping into today. Okay? I, do, I, I, don't, I can't find it. Three and a half, four years ago, I wanted to teach 1 Corinthians so I could teach... 2 Corinthians. And here's the reason. 2 Corinthians is ministry. This is what the ministry is. Just read it and you'll see what the ministry is. Okay? But 1 Corinthians was written to say, you better get your act together or you're never going to do 2 Corinthians. Okay? I believe that both texts... 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians all pivot off of verse 12 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Okay? I entitled this section, The Church, Unity and Diversity. The church is called the bride, it's called the body, a few other things. Um, 
And, and if, you, if you're honest with Scripture, if you're honest with the, the preaching ministry and the teaching ministry, you will learn that when you are, especially as I teach, the way I teach, textual pneumatic th- exposition, pneumatic exposition. Basically, I'm taking the text and the theme and exposing it. Okay, sounds really cool. I just learned that half an hour ago. I thought it sounded cool. Um, I basically take the book. I start in verse 1 and then it's first word. No. Uh, verse 1 and I go through the books and the theme of the whole book. Why was this book written? Okay, and I just laid you the foundation for that. And that's what we've been doing, though, the last 28 weeks. We've sort of been moving around because we've been dealing with something that the Apostle Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of, and that is spiritual gifts. So we moved around a little bit and we jumped around. But basically, I just take the book. I am back now in verse 12 because we had started with the first 11 verses and we'd gotten through that, dealt with spiritual gifts, and now here we are. All right? But what you'll learn is, is that sometimes in the study of Scripture, in the preaching and teaching events that we will be exposed to, there are sometimes that you will get messages that are what are called practical, and you will have some that are theological. Okay? And depending on the person, um, one may be more exciting than the other. Um, sometimes it would be based on something that I didn't know and that seems to be a little more exciting, but I already knew that, and that message wasn't really as exciting because I already knew that. Um, I will tell you that what you're getting ready to do right now in the next weeks is that you are about to jump into theology. Okay? But I will tell you something that you may not be aware of. This is some of the most heavy and deep theology that has ever been presented to humanity. And it's basically summed up in one verse. Okay? Paul is very simply, he's making a straightforward theological statement. What's amazing about the text, he doesn't even give a lot of info on it. He just blurts it out. Um, And I believe this may be the single most important text that you'll ever be exposed to. Okay? The problem that I have is that there's no way you're going to see all of it. There's no way that I can get all the practicality out of it. There's no way I can get all the applications out of it. And so I am very, very much dependent on the person of the Holy Spirit right now. I cannot exhaust this text. You know what? I can't exhaust one phrase in verse 12. It's impossible. If I live to be a thousand years old, and that is the only phrase I taught on until the return of Jesus Christ, we could not exhaust the text. But I want to build on what we've already learned. We're dealing with a church, a church that was struggling. Theologically, this was a solid church. Who founded it? The Apostle Paul, he starts out in chapter 1 and says, You are lacking in no spiritual gift. It was an amazing church. But what was happening was, is that they were allowing the influences of the flesh and allowing the influences of the world to come in and to corrupt what God was doing in the supernatural realm and the entity that you and I call the church. 
What I hope I can do here is just what it means is by what it says. In in chapters 12 through 14, we're dealing with a focus on spiritual gift, the spiritual realm. Okay, And in verse 1, it says there was a problem. It says they were ignorant of spiritual gifts. The ministry to the body of Christ through the gifts of the Spirit. And we spent a little detail in that, did we not? About 28, 29 weeks. But what you see in this body of people, the Corinthians, and what you see in the church today in America are abuses, misuses, misbehavior, disobedience in just about every single area that exists. How can that be? How can that be? That's easy. If you go to a doctor and you've got a problem, the doctor diagnoses the problem and then he gives you some kind of medicine or something, regimen to fix it. The Apostle Paul, in the first six chapters, blisters these people, and it ain't until chapter 7 he even deals with what they're dealing with. They wrote and asked him a question. And in the first six chapter, he says, I cannot believe what you people are doing. And then in chapter 7, he starts dealing with what their problems are. And then in chapter 12, he says, by the way, you guys have really messed up spiritual gifts. And I asked the question 28 weeks ago. When you think about the body of Christ today, is there an ignorance... In spiritual gifts. Then I had to ask this question. If God has done this, why would he make it so hidden that nobody could understand it? And we spent time. I showed you the gifts of men, men who have supernaturally empowered and they are presents from God to the church. I show you gifts that strengthen and I showed you gifts that signal. Okay, and I showed you text after text after text after text that this isn't rocket science. This isn't, well, you've got to be able to parse the Greek verb in a certain syntax to understand. No, he didn't write this to say, I'm writing this. I don't want you to be ignorant, but you can't figure it out. That ain't the way God does it. Spiritual gifts were amazingly and were among those things that were being misused. I mean, they'd literally taken pagan worship and mixed spiritual gifts with it. Okay? To say the least, there was much confusion. I believe that that exists today. Okay? And I believe that the same reason that there was confusion in the Corinthian church is the same reason there's confusion in the church today. I call it spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Um, and basically, this church and I believe the church today have problems all over the place. So, Paul writes, he diagnoses the problem, starts it out and says, You know what? You guys are ignorant. All right? He says, You shouldn't be ignorant about this. All right? So now he's going to give the medicine. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, he deals with it. Okay? They were unaware. And they're basically. Two bases that they were missing in spiritual gifts that I see missing today. And I believe that that's that subtitle you see in your outline. Unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. 
Okay, And we're just sort of going to drop in to verses 12 and 13. And we're going to look at it because this is some of the most amazing theology you'll ever get. The Spirit of God doesn't want everybody to do the same thing in the same way. I have been my gift uh, on the primary side, and I always I shared with you months ago that the spiritual gifts are like colors, and they're laid out on a palette, and the Holy Spirit paints it as He wants it. You can have a person um, who my primary colors are prophecy and exhortation. All right, but you can take another person who has those two primary colors and they will completely be diverse in what they do compared to what I do. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit's doing it. He wants it done. He knows what needs to be accomplished. It's beautiful if you really think about it. If, if you look at it, God doesn't want it done the same way by everybody. That was basically verses 4 through 11. We've already looked at that months ago. But there is a unity that exists even in the diversity. And I, I believe that this is missing. I believe that there is, a, as ignorant as the church is over spiritual gift, I believe that that ignorance is heightened over what is the church and who is the church. Because the church is not only diverse, it's one. I have been in groups of people who do not speak my language, nor I speak their language, and feel completely at one with them. How is that? I have been in a congregation that had 8,000 people and felt absolutely at home with 8,000 strangers. How is that? There is a unity that we must be committed to. You know what? It's fine to have diverse gifts. I mean, I look at our congregation. We have a great, diverse, gifted bunch of people. But we must always remember that the oneness has to be maintained in practice because it exists in position. Okay, so if you look at this, you'll see points one and two, and I'm just laying a framework that we're going to start moving out of in the next weeks to come. In verses 12 and 13, you see that there is unity, it's one body. That would be the illustration. Okay, then you see in verse two, the identity, one spirit, that would be its reality. Okay, so you have one body. That's the unity, but you have the identity, the reality of it is one spirit. The unity, the body, he uses the phrase here, look in verse 12, even as the body is one. Now that phrase right there, he's speaking of the physical body as a unit, a cohesive unit, okay? It's not disconnected. All right. If anything gets disconnected from the human body, it stops functioning. Did you know that? It's really interesting. No, 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 no. Don't get dramatic. If you have a hair 
come out of your head and it lays in the brush or on the sink, what does that hair do? Does it continue to grow? You know what? It can't even turn to gray. It's done. And you have the cohesive body, and as long as it's attached, it works. If any part is separated, what happens to it? It ceases to function. It ceases to function. Okay? The body has many members. Right? Now, let's look at the phrasing he's using here. He's talking about the human body. There are all kinds of little things in our body that it does, right? But yet, they have one purpose. Right? One goal. To grow old together. No, I'm not talking about the husband and the wife. I'm talking my right hand wants to grow old with my left hand. All right? All right. There's many parts, but they are diversified, and yet they are one. Okay, I I, I use this phrase. It's an organic whole. Okay? Now, if you think about it, any organic whole will have a diversity of members, listen, you take a single cell organism and ask yourself a question. Is it plural? Yes. There are many parts that make up the single cell. And yet they have a single purpose. If it's an organic whole, it will have multiple members unified. One purpose. Correct? The body has a diversity of members. The members have a a diversity of functions. But there is that one whole, one life energy that makes it the body. Now listen, the Apostle Paul uses this a lot. We've already looked at it in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. You see it in Romans 12. You see it in Ephesians 1, verse 23. In Ephesians 2, verse 16. In Ephesians 4, 4. In Ephesians 4, 12 through 16. In Colossians 1, 18 through 22. All right? I'm thinking to Paul saying, I'm talking to you. What do you think? I, I see other metaphors in the Bible Describing diversity of members and one unit. Okay? One one flock, one shepherd. One kingdom, one king. One family, one father. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. Okay? But if you're really honest with yourself, the best illustration that exists is what? the body because it is an organic union it is all together common single life principle and it exists as a whole for that one life principle and yet there's diversity okay and you know what 
how does this work out? And we're going to look at that in the weeks to come. But I want to lay your frame today. The human body is the most amazing creation that God ever made. I don't care what it is. I mean, I've seen some weird animals. I've seen whales and dolphins. I've seen elk. I've seen bears. I've seen mountain lions. I've seen all kinds of things. But I tell you what, nothing beats the human body. The human body is an amazing thing. All right? But if you take the human body and if you consider the average 150-pound man, okay, and the reason that I say that, that's me. You guys think I'm kidding you? You see this suit? Huh? That's a nice suit, isn't it? I wore that in my graduation from high school. Okay? Huh? Are you feeling bad yet? Okay? And I have celebrated multiple reunions. <laughs> I turned 50 in November. Okay? What do you think? Okay? But, you know, and you'd look at that and you'd say, well, I just don't know. Well, let me tell you about a 150-pound man. I have enough lime in me to whitewash a fairly good-sized chicken coop. Okay? I have enough sugar in me, depending on my glucose day, to fill a small shaker. I have enough iron in me to make a ten-penny nail. And I got a whole bunch of water. Okay? So if we put it all together, you know what? There's not a lot of value in it. Right? Right? But when God puts it together, it becomes beyond value. It becomes priceless. All right? You don't think so? Jesus said this, what will a man give to exchange for his soul? See, the life principle that makes up a man has such a tremendous value that you can't measure it. It's impossible. You can't put a value on it. Okay? Listen, I use that illustration because the body is much more than the sum of its parts. All right? Because there's diversity in the body and there's unity in the body. Listen, I, I was looking at this and I was even thinking about it. On the duplicate parts of our body, everybody goes, what? No, there are duplicate parts in your body. All right? Some of you get a lot more duplicates. Um, they are going to be duplicate, but yet they'll still be unique. Here, here, let me give you an illustration. Everybody's running off and their minds are going crazy. I have completely lost the audience. They're gone. <laughs> I'm just thinking about duplicates. And, what? All right. Does that mean that I have like a twin out there on the planet? No, that ain't what I was talking about. You have two feet, right? Did you know that your feet are not the same size? But they're duplicate. You can have two arms and two hands, okay? You can be right or left-handed, and yet there'll be a diversity in the right or left-handedness, right? You know, even a person who's ambidextrous, they will have a strong side. It may be their left side, it may be their right side. 
Okay? Do you know that eyes are different? I mean, I have blue eyes, and if you pay attention to my blue eyes, you're going to realize that one of them is a different shade of blue than the other one. Why is that? But they're both blue eyes. Now everybody's going, (laughs) what? Really? Everybody be looking at me now. Listen, you you think I'm kidding you? Take the person next to you. Okay, I'm really going to lose you all now. Check out their ears. And you got two ears, but I guarantee you they are not the same. Are they? Nope. You just look at them and say they're different. And everybody's going, oh, they're all looking at me. You can have duplicates of the same body and they'll be diverse. They'll have a unique function. <clears throat> Yet, there is one organic whole that will make up that whole body. Correct? So the human body is the perfect illustration of unity and diversity. Right? And think about it. You can take human bodies. Some human bodies can play the piano. Some human bodies can play the radio. You see, have you ever seen people? I have seen some people who were athletic. I've seen some. There's no way. Okay? Yet they're both human bodies. Right? I, I have seen people who are gymnasts, and that just amazes me. Why would you bend like that? <laughs> and whatever caused it. Okay? Have you ever seen artists? Okay, I remember going down the river, the Moscow River in, in Moscow, Russia, and the whole row of people are all lined up, freezing their butts off, painting these beautiful oil paintings. Huge oil paintings, massive works of art. They're all there, drunken 10,000 Indians, painting these great masterpieces in the snow. And I was sitting there going, is there anybody in Russia who doesn't paint? Okay, and of course they want to sell it, you know. Not, yeah, that fit in my bag. <laughs> but everybody's painting. Uh, when I was at the church in Orel, Russia, everybody walks up and plays the piano or the guitar. Everybody, little kids, big kids, old people, young people, they just walk up and play. And I'm sitting there going, gee, many crickets, what is it? Then it dawns on me, well, they don't have TV, they don't have radio, they don't have video games. What else are you going to do? Play. Okay, now I, I want you to understand one organic whole, okay, yet a plurality of members, but there's a common life principle. All right? Now let me share with you something here. Now I'm going to go back into verse 15, 13 here in a second. <clears throat> there are not, there never have been, there never will be multiple kinds of Christians. There's only one. Let me show it to you. Verse 13. Even as the body is one, yet... No, wait. Verse 13. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Okay? And then he makes a statement. Whether you're a Jew or a Greek, slave or free, we're all made to drink one spirit. Okay? This has given rise to some, something that's offensive to me. Okay, when I hear people tell me that they're Messianic Jews, 
What does that make you? A more spiritual Christian? Paul never identified them. You had Jews. You had Greeks. You had the church. Period. But spiritual pride rises up and says, because I am of this ethnic group, I am more spiritual than you? Really? I don't think so. So there's never has been, there's, there's no in and out in Christians. All right? They're all members of his body. They're all part of the whole. Okay, whether you go with me to Russia and you minister in the body of Christ in Russia, uh, we have doors open in South Africa, we have door open in uh, Myanmar, we have a door open in India. If you go there, you're still part of the body. Please understand, I do not have a ministry that goes to these countries. We do. We do. This isn't Terry's ministry. Okay, you don't have your little ministry. I'm over here in my ministry. You're either in the body or you're out of the body. Why? Because we all have a common energy source. The energy of Christ who dwells us. Okay, now listen. Paul's talking to a church that is struggling. They have schisms. They have divisions. You've got people running around. They call them personality cults. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. I am of Christ. We have it today. I am of MacArthur. I am of Precept. I do fellowship Bible studies. What is that? I can tell you what it is. Spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. When you think of the church, let me ask you a question. What do you think of? I can tell you what I think of, and it breaks my heart. And I'm going to be as honest today as I can be. I think of a bunch of disconnected people. I mean, we can look around here right now and say, who's here, who's not? Where's such and such? I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. You know what that is? That's a disconnected person. You know what a disconnected person in the church is? The same thing as when a hair comes out of your head and it falls on your sink. It's no longer functions. Listen, the church is people. There's old people. There's young people. You know what? There's saved and lost people in the church. Did you know that? Jesus said it was going to be like that. You know what? There are hurting people in the church and there are blessed people in the church. So Paul, staying with this metaphor, uses this phrase that I just want to focus on. I just want your brains to start thinking about right there at the end of verse 12. Okay, he says you have the unity of these gifts and the power of the spirit. The spirit's going to give them as he desires. But there's one God, one Lord, one spirit, and he manifests himself as he desires. Right. In the what? That ain't what that text says. Read your text. You better read that text. Because today, brothers and sisters, that is the very single verse. That little three, it's three words in the original language, is a thing that's killing the church. We have separated the church from Christ. 
You know why people aren't getting saved? What do they see? They see a bunch of disconnected people. I shared this with you before. Dr. MacArthur's church, Grace Community Church in Southern California, they only serve the Lord's table on Wednesday nights. Okay? They only get about 1,500 people. But he'll tell you that that 1,500 people are the ones that God's using in the body. The rest of the people on Saturday, Sundays are there because it's Grace Community Church and this is a big church and we got you know the pastors published and all the rest of it. And, and I see all this. Why? It's spiritual pride. I, listen, I have been in this church for perhaps too long. But I can tell you this, the people who are faithful to the Bible, ongoing Bible teaching in this church are the ones who are being used in this church. It's been that way since 20 years. My 20 years. Why? Because they're connected. There's people who will tell you that I attend Castle Rock Baptist Church. And you know what? That is what they do. They attend Castle Rock Baptist Church. Paul's analogy here hit me like a ton of bricks. Verse 12, for even as the body is one. Okay, now look what he's coming out of. The spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That's verse 11. Okay, for even as the body is one. And yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, they are one body. Then what does he say? Why not the church? The issue here is not Christ. What is the issue? The church. And he says the Holy Spirit is giving gifts to people for the church. And what phrase does the Apostle Paul use? Christ. Christ. This is very, very deep, heavy theological concept. So also is Christ. So the church is one, one in God because the church is Christ. Did you hear what I said? If you look around and you think, well, the church is this person and this person and this person, you have completely missed it. You have completely missed it. The church is Christ. You and I, Paul's emphasis is you and I are one with the living Christ. Please hear me. You don't go out and make unity in the body of Christ. It is already there. Go try it. Go t- just take this small group. Pick any individual and say, we're going to be one. Have fun. I have no problem being one with you guys as long as I'm not near you. Well, you would say the same. I do great as one when I'm one. 
So how come you can't do it? We are one living organism through which pulses the eternal life of God by the Spirit of Christ living in us. We are one. You can't make us one. You you don't believe me? Man and woman come together, they will be what? Really? Has anybody seen that? Okay? I know as a man, as long as I do what she says, we're one. (laughs) And it is just as pleasant as the day is long. But as soon as I say, well, but, I, you, and you usually don't even get the well butt out. Listen, the Greeks have words for life, two words for life. One is bios, okay, that we get biology from. And it literally means you're not dead, you are alive. It's bios. But they have another word. Okay, it's transliterated Z-O-E, but it's not zoe. Okay, they, the Z is silent, it's oi. Okay, so if you see it and it's Z-O-E, you will say zoe. And if a Greek hears you, they'll say, what? <laughs> All right, but it's, it's, it's oi is how it's pronounced. Okay, and that is a person who is living life. All right, so you have bios who means that you're not dead. And then you have those who are enjoying life. Okay? We who are in Christ are not just biologically alive, but you know what else? We not only are not just biologically alive, we are even living high. We have the greatest of life, but ours even goes beyond that. We have the eternal life of Christ in us. So I have, I'm not dead life, and I have a zeal for life. I have purpose in life to deal with the eternal destiny of souls on a moment-by-moment basis. But I not only have that, I have it eternally. Now let me ask you a question. What in this life can give you that? Nothing. So why would you want to be disconnected from the life force that that exists in? The life of God is in us. Christians have one common denominator that is the life of God in the soul of man. It's already there. Jesus, because I live, you will live also. John said it this way. He that has the Son has life. Okay? Think about this one. What was Jesus' middle name? Just a question. Because he does have a name. You will call his name... Emmanuel. What does that mean? When? Lo, even unto the end of the age. 
Please hear me. I have people say, well, I'm only indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Really? Bummer. Sorry to hear that. So you separated the Holy Spirit from Christ? No. Listen, if you want to study on your own, take off chapter 3, Ephesians, verse 14 to the end of the chapter, and ask yourself when you're done, who are you indwelt with? Because it says, I pray that the, inner, the Holy Spirit in the inner man will strengthen you so you'll know the love of Christ that surpasses that of knowledge, and He will, what? Dwell in you. And then God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could imagine. So who are you indwelt with? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And that manifestation shows where? The church are in Christ. Yes. Yes. You know what? I've known people who are biologically alive. I know some people who live life. But I know way too many who don't know what real life is. Let me explain this to you. We are Christ. Great theological understanding. The God-man. 100% man. 100% deity. Okay, now I don't know how you get 200% in one bag, but he did. Okay, what is a Christian today? Just a question. Oh, but you're going... I'm just telling you what the text says. What did he call the church? Christ. When Paul was on the road, had the little arrest letters on the road to Damascus, right? Out arresting and killing Christians, right? Jesus sees him on the road, reveals himself on the road, and he looks at him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Is that what he said? What did he say? Me. Why are you persecuting me? So why would you dare try to separate the church from Christ and make of two separate entities? Well, but you don't understand. We're the body. He's the head. Take the head off and see what happens to the body. Just try it. See what happens. You want to separate it? Can't do it. Why? It's a single life force. You know what? The only Christ the world is going to see is us. Christ incarnated himself one time in a single body. Okay? Let me explain something to you again. And I want you to, I'm just going to hang a thought on this and you're going to have to ponder this for yourself. We'll pick it up next week. He has, Christ, has incarnated himself again in a single body. And that is Christ in the world today. We are Christ. Now, look at your text again, the end of verse 12. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
He's alive. He's alive in me. He's alive in you. And he is alive in every believer. Do you understand that that's what salvation means? You know, do you know that you were not saved to go to heaven? Did you know that? Oh, bummer. Okay, don't get me wrong, you get to go to heaven. It's a blast. But you were not saved to go to, you don't want to go to hell or go to heaven? Well, let me think. No, you know why you were saved? So that God of existence could show the power to all creation. His power was enough to redeem the most vilest of sinner and that the rest of the world would see it. And by the way, you get to go to heaven. Do you get that? Do you live like that? Let me tell you something. I am not a theologian and I don't play one on TV. But I can, within just a very few minutes, with an individual, tell you what their priority is. And when I read this, and it says that I am Christ alive in the world, I'm trying to figure out what the other priority would be. I don't understand what the other priority would be. There is nothing on this world that I love more than the church. Do you get that? And those of you who know me for years, those of you who may have only know me, know that very quickly that, yeah, that's pretty much him. Right? And 14 years ago, the only thing I asked of the congregation was this simple phrase. Walk with me. That's it. I ain't got this thing figured out. But I know what the one single principle is. And I know what the one single force is. And I know what the one single unifying thing is. And I'm going to ask you guys that very simple question. Who do you walk with? Who do you walk with? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, what salvation truly means. Father, when I read this and I think about so also is Christ. Father, I'm overwhelmed. Father, I'm not even adequate enough to share this. And yet, Father, this is your word. It's for your people. Father, help us to hear. Help us to realize the urgency of the moment. And help us to draw upon the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, you are our all in all. You are the source and the power and pulsing energy to your people. Father, may your church be lifted up holy and pure as a chaste virgin for the King of kings, Lord of lords. May it be our labor to present your bride and the glory and honor due her in Christ's name. Amen.